0: Welcome to another episode of the Water Women Podcast, the podcast all things ocean. I'm your host, Jill. So welcome to the Water Women Podcast, Alice. How are you today?
1: I'm good. Thank you for having me.
0: My pleasure. I'm super excited to have you on today. Do you want to kind of give our listeners a little
1: introduction to who you are and what you do? Sure, yes. Um, I'm Alice and um, I've been an ocean advocate for most of my life. Um, I am a student and um, hoping to transfer next year to uh, uh, a marine biology program at Carolina Coastal so I can focus on sharks. Um, In the meantime, I started up my own conservation called Oceankin and um, I, I like to educate um, people as much as I can on my platforms um, regarding, you know, shark conservation, ocean conservation, and just kind of making people realize that um, they're not the evil, you know, creatures that the media likes to make them out to be, and, and I feel films uh, do as well. So yeah, just trying to make a difference. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: They do get a pretty bad rap in media. So I'm glad we have people like you kind of working to like, uh, I believe it was Melissa Marquez referred to herself as like a shark PR person, like making them look better to the public.
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. And um, I was actually reading an interesting article last night. And a lot of it started with uh, Steven Spielberg's Jaws. Um, And that's actually where Um, people started trophy hunting uh, sharks was after that that film came out sadly so
0: I remember reading too that if Spielberg could go back uh, if he had realized how big of a thing Jaws would be and how much of how negative people would perceive sharks after it he said he would scrap the whole thing which is awesome yeah unfortunately it can't happen but it's really cool to like that he's acknowledging oh yeah
1: yeah exactly this is complete
0: fiction like sharks aren't like this
1: yeah exactly and I think that you know on a positive note obviously people are starting to um change their perception because of you know I feel like they do have a bigger voice um these days and we just have to keep working on their behalf you know
0: absolutely um, so did you grow up near the water or did you always know you wanted to be involved in the water somehow? How did you kind of find this, this in life?
1: Um, so I grew up in Wales um, and it all started uh, with family holidays to a place called Tenby in Wales. And um, in my mind, it's one of the most beautiful uh, coastlines um, in the UK, Pembrokeshire, and um, And I would spend a lot of time there um, during the summer. My dad was a big swimmer and into diving and all of that. Um, And he bought me a book on sharks when I was about nine. And it kind of all started from there. Um, My obsession with the water began. (laughs) I love that. So, How did yeah. you
0: pursue this? Like, Did you go to school for it? Did you like automatically know you wanted to study this or was it just kind of a love you had?
1: Um, I always knew I wanted to study it, but my life went in a very different direction. I actually ended up <laughs> studying acting for a while and I was a working actress uh, in England. And um, Interesting. Yeah, and um, I was always an activist on the side. But I found myself as I was getting older. Um, in all of my spare time, I was talking about, um, you know, the ocean and what we can do to help sharks and dolphins. And I thought there's something wrong here. I need to be switching, switching my career. So um, that's why I decided to go back to school, and um, that's why I'm studying biology now. Um, but I want to focus on marine biology. Um, so yeah, it was kind of a long path, but uh, the ocean advocacy was always parallel with what I was doing. So so it was always there with you. It wasn't always your main focus, but
0: it was always there with you. That's super cool.
1: Yes. Yeah. I, uh, I feel more at home in the water than I do um, on land. <laughs> so... <laughs> So why sharks? We talked about the
0: the book you got about sharks, but what was it about sharks that really like drew you to them? Was there was it just kind of like you were fascinated by them?
1: Yeah, I've just thought that they're uh they yeah, they're fascinating and I I see them as these beautiful creatures. Um they're so majestic and you know, I'm not saying you know, when you see a shark in the ocean, go and cuddle it. That's, um, <laughs> you know, they are apex predators and they've got to be respected. And I think that's, you know, um, that's where the fascination started. Um, yeah. Just a, a, a tremendous amount of respect for the fact that they have basically outlived everything for the past 400 million years. Um, and sadly, you know, now they are um, at risk because of us. So, um, yeah, I've just always been drawn to their their beauty, I guess.
0: Now, you mentioned to me earlier that you are concerned about their conservation because they're so vital to the ecosystem. So what makes sharks so important and why should we care about them?
1: Um, well, they basically keep the ecosystems within the oceans uh, balanced. Um, You know, they're like swimming trash cans, essentially. Um, They pick out, you know, (laughs) the sick and the dying, and that then allows, you know, other healthy creatures to carry on uh, breeding, and it keeps many species um, in, in balance. And of course, if you knock one thing off kilter, it has a domino effect. And um, you know, we're starting to see that. Um so yeah, they they are vital in many ways. Um yeah.
0: Ocean trash can. I don't think <laughs> I have ever heard that.
1: <laughs> a really, a really good looking trash can.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Very cute trash can. Yes. <laughs> I love that. So they're just, how do they do that? Like, they just kind of keep the oceans clean. They kind of eat things. Like, what do you mean by trash can?
1: Yeah, I mean, they, the vibrations that, um, you know, sick and dying fish um, and other animals will will give off, they gravitate towards that because, of course, it's an easier meal, isn't it, to to go for something yeah. that can't swim properly or is, you know, struggling. Um so yeah, they tend to go towards that. Obviously, they are apex predators, and you know, you will find that the white shark will obviously go for seals, and it doesn't. You know, they don't have to be sick or dying, but obviously, yeah. they've got a better chance of catching the one that's the slowest. Um, so it kind of keeps everything in balance. It keeps everything clean, so to speak, if you want to put it in a yeah in that kind of way. <laughs>
0: Cool. That's really cool. I love that. We are water women, and we're spending a lot of time in the water, so it's important to try and find something that you can wear that makes you feel good about its production and how it makes you feel. Finding one of these can be a little difficult. What's this swimsuit made out of? How is it sourced? Why doesn't it fit me right? And most importantly, why the heck can't I order different sizes for the top and the bottoms? This is why Waterwoman is so excited to be teaming up with Sisterly Swim to share with you their sustainable swimsuits that you can fit comfortably into. This is a family-owned business from sisters who are passionate about the environment and have developed these amazing swimsuits that come in six, yes, six different sizes. And if you don't feel comfortable in those six different sizes, they'll even do custom sizes for you. Yeah, custom sizes. How awesome is that? Each suit is made from fabrics that are 100% derived from fishing nets and carpet fluff that have reached the end of their usable life. Not only that, the packaging, postcards, and tags that you get are all made of 100% compostable materials. If I haven't convinced you yet, how about this exclusive deal only for Water Women listeners? You can get 15% off your entire order when you use the code water sister 15 that's water sister one word one five for 15 percent off your entire order at sisterlyswim.com these are swimsuits that you can feel good about wearing and feel good in you recently started your own conservation project ocean kin can you tell us a little bit about that and what it is
1: yeah, of course. Um, so well, I came up with the name Ocean Kin, because obviously kin means family. And, you know, in my mind, and I'm sure in many people's minds um, that will listen to this podcast, um, you know, the the ocean and the animals that live there are family. So um, I wanted to start it as a platform to be able to talk about um, sharks, Um, but also other marine animals that need our help. Um, It's very early days. I only started it in August, so it's mainly online. Um, But I'm hoping to make it more hands-on once I move to the coast. Um, But I wanted to just get things going so that I could spread awareness um, and try and help educate people a little bit because so many people are unaware of uh, so many different ocean issues
0: yeah I like uh, that so yeah what's your kind of goal with it like where do you want it to go
1: um I mean I would like to you know be able to do hands-on research um at some point um obviously my focus uh with it is to um change people's perceptions of things um but You know, whether that's, you know, going and um, taking videos at uh, trophy hunting competitions for sharks, um, whether it's, you know, um, holding expeditions, um, because actually in South Carolina, there is uh, so many different species of shark. um, And I looked into it. So many people hunt sharks there they don't actually take people to go and see these amazing animals. So that's another way that I might um, like to go in, Um, but we'll see what the future holds. Obviously, alongside that, I'm gonna be doing my degree and um, hoping to get involved in more shark research when I'm actually in school, so.
0: (laughs) Absolutely that's uh it's really you're gonna be really busy for there for a while balancing all that it's gonna be exciting and fun
1: yes yeah my uh my family and friends often say that I can't really turn off I'm always doing something so (laughs) I feel
0: the exact same sometimes when I'm like working on the podcast I'm working full-time and I'm about to start my master's and I'm like Oh, I really should like figure out like take some time off and then only like, take a day off and then I only do podcast stuff and I'm like oh wow what a productive day off and then, like, <laughs> that defeats the purpose
1: <laughs> yeah I'm I'm the same I'm always doing something I had my finals um beginning of December and everyone was like oh you know I bet you're really excited to just do nothing and I'm like well actually <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm doing all sorts of things um and actually with what I'm working on at the moment is, um, I'm trying to expose um, shark souvenirs. Um, I I found out that Amazon is actually selling them. Um, So I'm working on a project through my conservation um, to try and do a call to action, um, which will also involve me writing a letter and allowing people to then sign the letter and send it themselves. Um, so that's that's my next step with uh, the conservation. But of course, there you go. I'm I'm not just resting on my holidays. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. No, why would you
0: get such ample opportunity to do things?
1: Exactly, exactly. And when I'm not doing stuff, I'm in bed reading about sharks. So you know, it's <laughs> it's a it's an all day, all night thing, so
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's an obsession.
1: Yes, you could say. <laughs> A
0: good one to have though.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> I love that with Oceankin, you like you yourself like to focus on sharks, but with Ocean Kin, you're leaving it open that you could like it's just all of the ocean, like the ocean family, which is what it's named after. Yeah. And you can kind of go any direction based on what's happening, what's going on. What you want to do? I love that.
1: Thank you. Yes, that was that was kind of the idea, um, because obviously it's not just sharks that need our help. It's yeah, so many, so many animals in the ocean.
0: I love. Yeah, it really is. And I find if you try and focus on one thing, you really you really can't focus on just one thing because everything is so interconnected. Yeah, that like, oh, the sharks are doing bad maybe it's connected to this that's doing bad or maybe like mm-hmm. with the change in the oceans, temperatures and whatnot. And like that brings it back to humans. Like it really is this just like huge web of things. So there's never mm-hmm. really a time that you're like, this is one isolated thing that's going badly mm-hmm. for just itself.
1: Yeah, exactly. Everything, everything is connected. And that's, you know, like I said, with the domino effect, because everything really is, uh, a big web down there, and um, obviously, it actually affects you know us as well. Um, and that's oh, a, yeah. another point I'm trying to educate people with is like, you know, I know you like eating shrimp, but <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, you know, it, it's kind of come to a point now where if, if people really do want to make a change, um, they really need to consider obviously. You know eating seafood and and the damage that that's doing as well um, absolutely and obviously plastic use um, you know um, especially during this uh, this crazy time in 2020 obviously we've seen a lot of rise in uh, pollution because of masks and gloves and stuff
0: uh, and so many different plastic things that you can't reuse and whatnot but yeah it's insane yeah I love I love that you brought up seafood because that's one thing that has always been kind of important to me is like I've been vegetarian for I think about four years now awesome. I, like, I was I was vegetarian for about four years now and I always had the people obviously you get the people that are like oh you won't even eat fish you won't eat this and I always would try to explain to people like If I'm going to eat any meat, it's going to be like beef or chicken from like a locally raised, locally sourced farm that like, obviously there's no good way to kill an animal, but I know they had a good life and they're like, you wouldn't eat seafood. And I was like, well, first of all, I'm a marine biologist. Those are my friends. So no. And then trying to explain to them, like, there's no sustainable fisheries, No. everything kind of connect, like you can you can be sustainable in your fisheries if you're taking, like if I'm going out and catching a single fish just for me to eat, great. Mm-hmm. But like with the shrimps, where it's like the draggers and the dredging that's killing, like I talked about this with Dr. Amanda Vincent, that's killing all the seahorses. And then like, you just never know the domino effect in the ocean.
1: Yeah, it's really sad. And so many people don't realize it. Um, I like you, I, I've been vegetarian for years and um, I don't, you know, I don't eat any meat or seafood, obviously. <laughs> um, and actually, it was because of seafood that I became a vegetarian. Um, yeah. Someone was eating octopus in front of me. And I I had this moment of I could just see it um, all playing out in my mind. And I thought, nope, never again. And that's the thing. Yeah. People don't realize you're not just eating a shrimp. That shrimp on your plate is not just a shrimp. It could be um you know an endangered sea turtle it could be a you know a shark it could be like you say uh, a dead coral reef because of what is on your plate because of the yeah. fishing practices um yeah it's it's really sad
0: it really is and it's really I think I remember the first time I st- I haven't eaten seafood gosh I don't even remember the last time I ate seafood but I remember what like, like kind of tipping point was for me was tuna like mm-hmm. I loved tuna sandwiches when I was younger mm-hmm. and I remember seeing on it like dolphin free and then I remember being like wait there's some tuna that's not dolphin free and my, my mom was like yeah I mean they catch the dolphins sometimes and I was like but I like dolphins and she's yeah. like well you mean you don't like tuna and I was like well like you just hear tuna right like you don't think of fish you just until you know it's a fish when you're younger you're just kind of like oh tuna. So, like, learning that it was, like, an actual animal, I was, like, I don't want to eat any more animals, mom. Yeah. And we compromised when I was, like, I think I was, like, 13. I was, like, I don't want to eat animals. And she's, like, how about just no seafood for right now? And I was, like, (laughs) okay. And then, as, like, when I became, like, 15, I was, like, I think I actually am going to stop, like, all meat. And my mom was not happy with me. So, I was vegetarian a little bit through high school and then had to stop for a bit and now back on it
1: yeah well I mean good for you and that's really good of your mum to you know compromise with you at such a young age um
0: it was it was very nice she really did more than she had to
1: (laughs) as mums do Um, (laughs)
0: classic
1: but yeah that's interesting you say about tuna I was diving recently um in the Indian Ocean and I saw um I saw so many tuna and they themselves are so beautiful and uh You know, the thought that they end up on people's plates Um, in general, just, you know, diving and and being, as I'm sure, you know, surrounded by all of these animals. You just kind of think to yourself, how? Why can't? Why? Why would you ever want to eat them? (laughs) Even the shrimp and the lobsters, the lobsters are just, you know, people don't realize that they live for 75 years and they have these lives down there um, because it's all packaged nicely and given to us. And uh, people don't really like to think about that. We're at at a stage now where people need to, like, this may sound harsh, but start taking responsibility for their own actions because we're in an age now where you can't really hide from the truth um, Mm. uh, because there is so much access to so much information um, and all it takes is going onto Google and typing in something about, you know, what you're eating for it to come up. So
0: Absolutely. I feel like with ocean and seafood, it's a little, not harder for people to understand, but you're so disconnected from it. Like with uh, land meat, like cows and chickens, it's something you've like, well, I don't know about you, but I grew up around farms and like, Mm -hmm. I was very familiar with them and kind of, like knew what I was eating Mm -hmm. and but like with the ocean stuff like until you're really connected to the ocean and get to dive or get to see underwater get to be out on the water it's so easy to disconnect yourself from fish or seafood and be like oh these are just things I'm eating rather than animals
1: yeah exactly and that's uh, that's part of why I have the platform is to you know share this information um and when people see not just, you know, pretty pictures, but the 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 hard to see pictures of um, animals entangled in fishing nets. And, you know, it really hits them then. Um, I've got a friend in England who gave up um, seafood um, because of it. And also my mum gave up seafood. And my mum has never eaten meat, but she always loved seafood. And when I explained to her She gave it up, so she hasn't eaten it for years now.
0: I love that, that's awesome, good for her.
1: Yes, yeah, so it's just slowly about educating people, and like you say, it's, you know, whenever I talk to people about these things, I always approach it with kindness, you know, whenever I'm talking about any subject, uh, whether it's captivity, whether it's eating seafood, whether it's sharks, um because people become easily dissuaded if you're too aggressive and um I think being kind and explaining things um that they perhaps didn't realize um it is the way forward um so yeah
0: it really is If you're looking for an eco-friendly alternative to storing your food and keeping it fresh and lasting a long time, then I have the answer for you. Wax wraps! Hear me out, wax wraps are a lot better than Tupperware containers. They take up less room and you can mold them to fit exactly around whatever you're trying to store or keep fresh. They're also so easy to clean and keep things fresh for such a long time. My personal favorite is Bee's Wax Wraps. Jilly Bees Wax Wraps are a local wax wrap that you can get in New Brunswick. They're handmade using locally sourced beeswax and all natural and organic resins and oils. Like I said, they are local to New Brunswick. If you're interested in purchasing some, send her a direct message on Facebook or Instagram and she'd be happy to help you out. You can check out Jilly Bees Wax Wraps on Facebook and Instagram at Jilly Bees Wax Wraps. It'll be linked in our bio and also tagged on our Instagram. So check them out and get your wax wraps so you can start keeping your food fresh for longer. So you use your platform for a lot of education, which I think is really awesome, like your Instagram and whatnot. Did you intend to do that when you first started your ocean Instagram or your Instagram? Or did that just kind of happen naturally for you?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it was all rather organic. Um I've always shared things, um, that I'm passionate about in regards to, um, the ocean, but, uh, with my conservation project, it, that was more organic, I was just, I realized I had so much that I wanted to talk about and, and share with people. And I understand that sometimes the pictures that I share can be upsetting. So that's why I created a separate platform. Um, alongside my Earthly Alice um, Instagram um, to have a place dedicated. But yeah, it was pretty organic. Um, As I said, I just kind of realized I had a lot I wanted to share and do and try and make a difference.
0: I love that. I think it's really important to have these accessible education um, outlets. And I've talked about this before, but especially now for like the young people growing up, who want to study the ocean and, every, and research the ocean and learn more about the ocean and mm-hmm. all the diversity within that. It's so accessible now, like to just be able to go on to Instagram and type in like ocean conservation and have mm-hmm. a profile like yours pop up. It's so easy to learn, so easy to figure out how to get into. And I love that.
1: Yes, me too. And I think that's the thing is educating in the next generation, um, you know, uh, they're going to be the ones who, you know, carry everything on and carry on that message um, of why it's so important. Um, I do, I get a lot of messages actually from um, uh, mainly young girls actually asking about how they can get involved um, and I'm always happy to share with them um, because so many people think, well, I don't, if I don't live by the ocean, I can't do anything, but of course you can because like you say, you've got all of these things at your fingertips, so you can
0: absolutely I love that it's really it's so inspiring to see this next generation like I'll be getting messages on the water women Instagram be like hey I love this you want you make me want to be a marine biologist and I'm like I'm gonna cry thank you I love you like you make me want to do better
1: yeah yeah exactly
0: and I feel like these all these like, like your Instagram and like you said you uh, are worried some of the uh some of the in- the images you share are a little disturbing but I think it's important that people who are going into this um into this field Mm -hmm. understand that it's not all like rainbows and sunshine like when I first started wanting to do marine biology I was like oh my goodness I love the ocean the ocean is perfect I I'm going to study the ocean like blah blah blah, and then like diving into it as I got older like before I graduated high school I was like wait there's a lot going wrong Mm -hmm. right now and it's kind of been like it's been like a Learning curve for sure.
1: Yeah. And I try and explain that to people as well. Like, um, there can be quite an idealistic view when it comes to marine biology. And, um, mm. you know, it's not like we splash around in the ocean all day playing with dolphins. Some people do, and that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> but there is, you know, there's a dark side. Um, and that is, uh, you know the side that really needs to be talked about and exposed um and um yeah it's hard it's hard seeing uh, the animals that you love so much um be put in the situations that they're put in because of human activity um Absolutely. or human decisions so um yeah I'm always I always like to tell people that like it's not like you say, rainbows and butterflies, but it's always, yeah. It's, it's always worth it. Cause if you're passionate about something and you love it and it's, it's always worth it.
0: And I feel like it's kind of a double-edged sword because I like, we started as young kids and the things that maybe we got exposed to that made us want to study this aren't always the greatest things. Like I know the first thing that made me really love the ocean was like, Sea World, Marine Land and like all these animals where I really got to like see these animals for the first time be like, "Whoa, hey, mm. these are really cool. I love them." Mm-hmm. And then like I remember on a trip to Florida with my parents, there's this place like Discovery Cove and you can swim with the dolphins. And I remember being young and being like, "I want to do that. I love the dolphins." And yeah. my parents were like, "Uh, no." Uh, no, and just kept driving and I was like, what the heck? Like, that's so <laughs> rude. My parents hate me. <sighs> and now, like, as you get older, as you learn more about it, you're like, thank you, mom and dad for not letting me do that. Yeah. Um, and you kind of realize like the things that might've exposed you are, like, or like, been exposed to you that made you love this are not exactly awesome. And instead are things that you end up fighting against to me, like, Hey, this is not something I support.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um and again, like food, it's packaged so nicely, you know, like the dolphins mm. are smiling and you know, it, it seems like a dream come true and um, you know, shamu and all of this. And it's um yeah. it's it's I it's just not real. Um it's not where they belong. <laughs> In my opinion, that's not where they belong. I know it's a controversial subject sometimes with marine biology because you have marine biologists that actually study them in, in captivity. And yeah um so it's, it's difficult, but in my, my personal own view, I don't think it's right. I don't believe in it.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's inherently important to kind of look at like why they're in captivity, like the reasoning, because I know Shamu, you mentioned Shamu, Shamu was the first, Thing that I ever it kind of made me realize like, hey, I don't really like animals in captivity because I remember mm-hmm. like finding out that this was like Shamu number like four, and yeah. I was like, wait, so they just keep dying and replacing them, and then being like, huh, that's not awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But it- I think it's important to note like like the reasoning that these animals are in captivity. Like if they're in captivity for entertainment, purely to provide entertainment for us, disgusting. Yeah. But there's something to be said for places like Clearwater Marine, where they're kind of like rehab centers.
1: Mm, yes. Winter and it doesn't have a tail. Yeah.
0: Winter the dolphin. Yeah. It's like, obviously, Winter can't be in the wild. Like she she, she wouldn't survive. Like mm-hmm. So it's one of those it's like a double edged sword. Again, like there's always going to be those two sides and you just kind of have to take into account. The reasoning and like what's why are they there? Is it for hypothetically, like in quotations, like their own good, or yeah. is it to provide entertainment for us?
1: Yeah, and a lot of people argue that with um, Lolita, the killer whale who's in Marineland. Um, mm. And she's been there for 50 years and she's by herself. And people argue, well, you know, she can't be released. Well, obviously, I understand she can't be released back into the wild, but. You know, you've got some great projects like the Whale Sanctuary Project and most recently the Beluga Whale Sanctuary, who have taken these cetaceans, who have been in captivity for many, many years, and they retrain them and, and you know, acclimatize them and put them in sea pens, essentially. And the Beluga Sanctuary has been very successful. Also, the Dolphin Project um, has done it with three dolphins. Um out uh, in Bali um, at the um, Lumber center. I think it's called the Umma Lumber Center. And uh, one of those dolphins actually is actually blind um, and they've been really successful. So I'm not saying take all of them and just put them back in the ocean. You know, obviously there's got to be a way that it's done for them to have. Um, Just a way to live a far more natural life and you know to let them leave this earth with some dignity not in a concrete tank you know allow them to be at least in in ocean water and and give them the opportunity to hunt their own fish um that's that's what what my belief is anyway i'm not saying just take them all and you know, shove them back in the ocean. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely, like you can't take these whales that have been in captivity for so long and toss them back in the ocean and say, like, good mm-hmm. luck boys, see you later. Yeah, exactly. But also, like there's better places for them to be or better things for them to be doing rather than stuck in a tank at SeaWorld kind of thing.
1: Like- exactly, exactly. And, you know, um, I think it shows with the fact that, you know, there were so many incidents um, with um, captive killer whales um, actually killing people and there isn't a single documented um, killing in the wild you know you see these videos that circulate of people swimming with killer whales and I know that people do it yeah. out in um where do they do it uh, somewhere very cold uh, in the fjords and um you know they're just not interested. But when they're being held in captivity, it's, uh, well, it's enough to make anyone mad, isn't it? You know, swimming in circles all your life. So,
0: And it's easy, it's easy for us to ignore it. Because once again, if you don't see it, you're not thinking about it all the time. Kind of out of sight, out of mind. But it's one of those things that you have to make a conscious effort to acknowledge.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I always try and tell people when they, um, you know, talk about going to these places. And I go, well can I just give you some information before you make a, a decision on whether you want to go? Um, and I, like you, um, it was actually going to see world many, many, many years ago. Um, that made me realize how awful it was.
0: Oh yeah. It, I think we're all kind of guilty of it. Like you don't realize, especially like when we were, I'm not sure exactly how, or how old you are, but like when we were younger, i think mm. we're roughly the same age so like early 2000s you're growing up with like you're watching free willy yeah you're watching um a dolphin's tail like all these things and you're like oh i like these animals i want to see them and it's like mm-hmm. here come here and see them and you're like oh my god yeah
1: yeah yeah they're like given to you on this on this pretty packaged plate and uh yeah and then they you know it's It's, oh, I want to become a a marine animal trainer. And then you realize, you know, um, that's, you know, if you really want to work with these animals. I don't. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's not the way to work with them. Um, But I think thanks to documentaries and stuff like Blackfish and The Cove, more people are aware. Um, I know Canada, they've actually banned um, captivity of sedations now, haven't they? I believe so
0: yeah there's like bill 52 or something of the sort I need to look more into it but yeah I remember like seeing that and being like heck yeah
1: yeah we just need the rest of the world to follow suit um yeah really so we'll get there we just got to keep fighting
0: (laughs) on the way now if people wanted to follow follow along (laughs) with you on Instagram or any of your social medias where can they find you
1: Yeah, sure. So my, um, personal one, uh, which is also open to anyone is earthly Alice. Uh, but my conservation page is ocean kin conservation. Um, and I do have Facebook pages for both of those as well. Um, but I don't know if people use Facebook that much anymore.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know it's a dying platform.
1: Yeah, it really is. Um, so yeah, I'm on Instagram. Um, currently I'm sure there'll be um a Patreon uh in the future but we'll see uh, I don't want to take on too many projects at once uh so
0: <laughs> absolutely well thank you for joining me on the podcast today Alice it was awesome to have you on and to have this conversation about so many different things
1: yeah thank you so much for having me it's, it's been really great
0: Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Water Women Podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, don't forget to rate and subscribe to it. You can also follow us on all of our social medias. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Water Women Podcast and on Twitter at Water Women Pod. You can also find more behind the scenes info on our website, waterwomenpodcast.ca. I am so happy to keep sharing these stories of different water women each week with you. And until next week, stay salty.